Podcast, the podcast where we review superhero comic book live action movies. That seems kind of clunky for for a tagline, Jim. We've got to get something better, even though that is, in fact, what we do. Right, right. I'm Sean Kylie. I'm his brother, Jim. And uh, we've been comic book superhero fans for 40 years. Jesus, I God, wish you hadn't old. put it that way. But yes, that is accurate. Well, you saw that ad that I sent you, what? Yesterday or the day before, where it was, they're doing a facsimile edition of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 252, which is the first appearance of the black costume. And it's yep. 40, 40 years of the black costume in January. And then yep. uh, Secret Wars number one, 40 years of Secret Wars in January. Interestingly enough, in the mail today, I got 11 of the 12 issues of the Secret Wars limited series. Which I is pretty great. Yeah. And they're in great shape. How was a 40-year-old comic in this good a shape? And then I'm like, how is this comic 40 years old? <laughs> How is anything I own 40 years old? Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's maybe we'll talk about the Secret Wars in a little bit this evening, this morning, this afternoon Whenever on your listening. commute while you mow the lawn or shovel the driveway. Uh, we are talking today about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, a 2011 or 2012 Nick Cage vehicle, the sequel to Ghost Rider. We will talk about our impressions of the movie in a few minutes. But I think what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to start by giving a quick summary of the of what we laughably call the plot of this film. All right, here we go. A a motorcyclist with a scarf rides at high speed through the mountains of Eastern Europe somewhere. It's Idris Elba, and he wants to protect the boy. But the boy, who the boy's unnecessarily hot mom, wants nothing to do with Idris Elba, which I, I don't understand at all. Bad guys show up. Mom and boy flee. Idris Elba chases them. Bad guys chase all of them. Mom and boy escape. Idris Elba saves the day. Is this an Idris Elba movie? I wish. We then cut to some funky graphics around Nick Cage giving backstory exposition, explaining us uh, who, explaining to us who he is. He's Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider. The graphics and the exposition remind me of Into the Spider Verse, which is a much better movie. Uh, we have then have a quick scene where the mom and the boy are robbing a random American businessman, and then they're off. They get chased by bad guys again. Eventually, they get cornered while Johnny Blaze transforms into the Ghost Rider and comes to save the day. He incinerates a bunch of assholes and then, fortunately, a grenade hits him and it blows up and the bad guys escape with the boy but without the unnecessarily hot mom. Johnny wakes up at the hospital, awkwardly hits on his nurse, track the bad guy down to a quarry. There's a cool bit where the Ghost Rider turns the digging machine into a fiery death thing. Johnny kills almost all the bad guys and then he and Nadia and the boy, Danny, escape. Uh, The big bad guy, Rourke, played by Kieran Hines, uh, shows up at the quarry, turns the lesser bad guy into a darkness demon thing. Johnny and Danny and Nadia escape. There's a not entirely terrible sequence with Danny and Johnny on the back of a pickup truck. Johnny, it turns out, at heart is a 13-year-old boy, so they get along great. Uh, They get to a monastery run by Connor McLeod. There's a good scene with um, Idris Elba and Johnny. Idris Elba exercises the demon that is the Ghost Rider. Then we find out, oh, no, Connor McLeod is going to kill Danny because Danny's dad is the devil. 
But before Connor McLeod can do that, the the demon guy shows up, takes Danny, murders everybody except for Danny, Nadia, and Moreau. And then Johnny shows up with no powers, and we have to go save Danny. Turns out the place we have to go to save Danny is like 200 yards away, but we have to crawl there. Nadia watches while Johnny and Moreau go to kill dudes. Moreau, uh, sorry, Moreau is actually um, Idris Elba's character's name. Uh, they Moreau actually ever say that? Yeah, he doesn't, but they do. Okay, yes. go on. Sorry. They refer to him as Moreau. They also, side note, refer to Moreau as an alcoholic, despite zero evidence until... 75 minutes into the movie that the guy even drinks. I digress. Anyway, the uh, the the demon ex-boyfriend kills Moro. Johnny gets captured because he has no powers. The boy, Danny, gives Johnny his demon powers back. Johnny kills everybody, sends uh, Rourke, the ba- big bad, to hell. Everybody celebrates. Oh, but wait, maybe Danny's dead, but maybe not. Maybe Johnny's demon is actually an angel. Johnny saves him. The end. And thank God that was only 95 minutes long. Yes. Now, I, I do have something to correct you on. Um, oh, please. Early in the movie, Idris Elba is drinking wine and and Connor McLeod is bitching at him about it. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's totally fair. Or not I Connor may... McLeod, uh, Anthony Head. No, 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 no. Connor McLeod is actually Christopher Lambert. Christopher right, right, Lambert. Right, right, right. I'm saying Anthony Head at the beginning of the movie. Oh, oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're when, right. He's in the, um, when he's in the monastery. He's like, Brother oh, you Benedict. have to have the wine. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent point. And we'll get back to Brother Benedict later. Sure will. Before we go into our thoughts about the movie, why don't I give a quick publication bio of the character? Yes, um, because I, I have to, I, I seriously admit here, the Ghost Rider as a comic book character became really big in the comics after I quit reading comics. Yeah. So I am highly ignorant of his background, and I would love a quick description of it. Sure. So this, uh, the original Ghost Rider is Johnny Blaze. He's the first supernatural Ghost Rider. He is a stunt motorcyclist, Johnny Blaze, who, to save the life of his foster father, agrees to give his soul to, quote, Satan, later revealed to be an archdemon named Mephisto. At night and when around evil, Blaze finds his flesh consumed by hellfire, causing his head to become a flaming skull. He rides a fiery motorcycle and wields blasts of hellfire from his body, usually from his skeletal hands. He eventually learns that he has been bonded with the demon Zarathos. Blaze is featured in the series Ghost Rider, which is the second comic book with that title from 1972 to 1983. Blaze first appeared in Marvel Spotlight number five, created by Mike Friedrich, Mike Plug, and Roy Thomas. Although there's some dispute over who did what, Friedrich sued Marvel over the character, then lost, then had it reversed on appeal, then settled out of court with Marvel. A fun side note about this character was Tony Isabella, who was a writer for Marvel in the 70s, wrote a two-year story arc in which Blaze occasionally encountered an unnamed character referred to as the friend who helped Blaze stay protected from Satan. Isabella said that with editorial approval, he'd introduced the character who looked sort of like a hippie Jesus Christ. And that's exactly who he was, though I never actually called him that. At the story's story arc's climax, Isabella had planned that Blaze accepts Jesus Christ into his life. This gives him the strength to overcome Satan, though with more pyrotechnics than most of us can muster. He retains the Ghost Rider powers he had been given by Satan, but they are his to use as his new faith directs him. However, 
Arthur Isabella said that Jim Shooter, then an assistant editor, took offense at my story. The issue was ready to go to the printer and he pulled it back and ripped it to pieces. He had some of the art redrawn and a lot of the copy rewritten to change the ending of the story two years in the making. The friend was revealed to be not Jesus, but a demon in disguise. To this day, I consider what he did to my story one of the three most arrogant, wrongheaded actions I've ever seen from an editor. In 2020, Shooter said he had been concerned that this basically established the Marvel Universe as a Christian universe and could alienate some portion of the readership by suggesting that all other religions are false. He said after consulting with editor Marv Wolfman, he made the changes. Shooter had no authority at the time, but I absolutely believe what he says about going to Marv Wolfman and he didn't just do it himself. He wasn't editor-in-chief yet. After Blaze was stripped of the Ghost Rider powers, uh, the character was in limbo for a little bit. Then in 1990, they brought him back with a new host, Danny Ketch. After his sister was injured by ninja gangsters, Catch comes in contact with a motorcycle that contains the essence of a spirit of vengeance. Blaze reappears in the 1990s series as a supporting character, and it's later revealed that Danny and his sister were Johnny Blaze's long-lost siblings. In the 2000, in 2000 comics, Blaze becomes Ghost Rider again. Then in 2014, Robbie Reyes became Ghost Rider as part of the Marvel Now initiative. There have been 10 series with the title Ghost Rider. The first was a Western title, and that character was eventually renamed first the Knight Rider. And then Marvel went, we can't do that because that's what they called the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan in oh. the Civil War. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, no. So they changed it to Phantom Rider. Um, okay. And there's a whole thing about Phantom Rider and what happened when Steve Englehart wrote West Coast Avengers, and I'll I'll put that in a blog post sometime because it's really interesting. That w- and that only ran for seven issues in the '60s. The original Supernatural Ghost Rider ran for 81 issues from 1973 to 1983. Uh, then was brought back in 1990 for the Danny Catch version, and that ran till '98. There's a bunch of limited series throughout the last two or three decades, and then there's a regular ongoing series right now. Now, is the is the current series about Robbie Reyes? I don't know because I haven't read it. Okay, um, me neither. Not a huge, I've never really been a huge fan of Ghost Rider. My friend Pat is a gigantic Ghost Rider fan to the point where he has a back tattoo of uh, the Mark Teixeira uh, Ghost Rider. Like, and I'm talking like, wow, like his whole back. Like, he loves Ghost Rider. He That's... has every single appearance of Ghost Rider. He has his first appearance in everything. Big Ghost Rider fan. Well, Did make sure like... he listens to this episode of the pod. Yeah, I don't think he liked this movie, but I'm not sure. Um, One thing I will say that I found out researching the publication history of Ghost Rider is that both the uh, 70s series and the 90s series solicited a next issue and then ended and never printed the next issue. Like, oh, wow. There was supposed to be a Ghost Rider 82, never happened. There was supposed to be a Ghost Rider 96, never happened. They just they solicited them and then ended the series. There have been so many different people called Ghost Rider, that, but to me, it's always Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch. Sure. Yeah, I do like um, some of the stuff that I've seen, and, and I haven't really dug into the comic character, but... I seem to remember that that Robbie Reyes's car is like a, a muscle car instead of being a motorcycle. And I love the idea of of a muscle car as the Ghost Rider's vehicle. Um, and I have other thoughts about that topic, too, but I don't want to jump the gun. The movie was initially released for one day on December 11th, 2011, and then released worldwide. Looks like February 17th, 2012, based on my sloppy note taking. Um, I assume they released for one day in 2011 so that they could get those Oscar nominations. <laughs> Right, right. And then they didn't screen it for the critics. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm I sorry. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. Please, please. No, 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 you're good. Um, the budget was anywhere from 55 to 75 million dollars. Opening weekend, it did 22.15 million. Good for second. I don't know what was first, but I know that it was second. Domestic gross, 51.77 million, 63rd for 2012. One spot ahead of The Gray, which I've never heard of. And one spot behind The Odd Life of Timothy Green, which I've also not heard of. I think The Gray was about, I think it was Liam Neeson fighting against wolves in Alaska. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the other one is about. But. Yeah, I, I don't know. And worldwide, it grossed uh, $132.5 million in 58th place for the year behind Zero Dark Thirty and ahead of Cloud Atlas. Of all those movies, the only one that I've seen is Zero Dark Thirty. How was that? <laughs> really good. Oh, okay. Like, really, really good. Some critic scoring on this. Metacritic uh, gave it a 34 on over 25 reviews. IMDb on 123,000 ratings. Uh, it's at uh, 4.3 out of 10. And it gets 18 out of 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> and it was not screened for critics, as I said, which is always a bad sign. Yes. And uh, it was filmed mostly in Turkey and Romania. That checks out. And since it was set in Romania, I mean, that's. And in Turkey, in part. Yes. Yes. Because they're right by each other. Yes. I had a couple of other uh, data points I wanted to add in, if you don't mind. Go right ahead. The first is um, the the Bechdel test, which is hopefully going to be a recurring feature for us. The, the Bechdel test, for those of you who are not aware, is the question, are there more than one named female character in the movie who speak to one another on a subject other than a man? And this son of a bitch fails in almost every regard. There are technically two female characters in this movie, but they do not appear on screen at the same time. And I'm not convinced that the nurse has a name beyond nurse. Right. I feel like they should add add something to that test, like do two named female characters have a conversation that yeah. doesn't involve a man? That is um, that is exactly what the, what the test actually is. Okay, okay. I didn't yeah. realize that it was the named characters. Yep. I also wanted to add... Um, uh, there, there were some award nominations for Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, it got two nominations for the Golden Raspberry, Nick Cage for Worst Actor, and the film itself for Worst Sequel or Remake. It did not win either of those awards, which sort of suggests, and I think accurately, that this movie is aggressively mediocre. It, I think that is, it's ambitiously mediocre. It is. I agree with that, actually. It it had ambition. Yes. So, Sean, what did you think of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance? Well, before I do that, I want to yeah. look and see what actually got the, the award. Oh, the Golden Raspberries? Gold yes. Yeah, yeah. So, great, great point. I should have um, looked that up. Adam Sandler got Worst Actor and Worst Actress. Oh, right? yeah. Um, the one where he tried to do the Medea, right? And, and yes. play like six characters? Yes. Um, or two characters. It was... It was also, it was Jack and Jill. Yeah, that's the one. Al Pacino got worst supporting actor. Yikes. Wow. Adam Sandler and either Kate Holmes, Al Pacino, or himself in drag in Jack and Jill got worst on-screen couple. Jack Wait and a Jill. Minute. Al Pacino was in Jack and Jill? Yeah. Holy shit. You know that he was just slumming for money. Well, he's been doing that for like 30 years now. That's true. Ever since uh, he. Yes. 
I loved that movie. Um, the, the, the Scent of a Woman. Um, Since then, though. Jack and Jill also won Worst Prequel, Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. Uh, okay, yeah. So that's where... That's where those awards went. I, I felt like that was the, the golden raspberry juggernaut. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be pretty hard to beat that, I think. I think my favorite golden raspberry thing ever is that Holly Berry showed up in person to get her golden raspberry for Catwoman. Wow. Yeah. Like she was so over the top ashamed of that movie that she, she showed up to get the golden raspberry. That's nice. Yeah. Like you can laugh at yourself. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, I had a lot of a lot of things that I had to say about it. Let me let me flip to my notes. Sure, sure. Um, while you flip to your notes, let me let me make one other uh, little observation. And and this is one of the one of the recurring bits we're going to be doing as well. Um, there used to be a website on the internet called Fame Tracker. It was made by the same fabulous people who eventually founded Television Without Pity, which if you are of Sean's and my generation, you may remember fondly. Fame Tracker was just basically like a celebrity website, but it was snarky and fun. And they used to have a feature called Hey, It's That Guy, uh, which was basically about, um, hey, this particular character actor who you've seen in 95 movies, but don't know the actor's name that and they just featured these these character actors that you've seen a million times. So this week's Hey, It's That Guy is Anthony Stewart Head as Brother Benedict in the beginning of the movie. You might not know Anthony Stewart Head by name. He played Giles on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and more recently is probably better known as the evil asshole Rupert Mannion on Ted Lasso. He gets, I'm going to guess, three lines in this movie, and then Carrigan puts a bullet in him just to emphasize what a bad person he is in the first act of the movie. Yeah, and I, I looked and he did a lot of BBC character acting stuff early on. Yeah. From from the late 70s until the early 90s, and then like sporadically through his career. And I always have been of the opinion that at any given time, there's only like 12 actors that make any BBC production. And they're, they're always like, if you watch a, a season of Doctor Who, you're going to yes. see them all. Correct. And you're also going to see Anthony Stewart head. Um, yes. He also did one episode each of the Highlander TV show. So that's the second Highlander reference. This episode, yeah. an episode of NYPD Blue, two guys, a girl in a pizza place, an episode of Doctor Who, an episode of Bridgerton. Then he was in two episodes of the Amazon Jack Ryan series, 18 of Ted Lasso, 43 episodes of Merlin, which I have never watched. Oh, I've never watched that either. And 123 episodes of Buffy, which I am ashamed to say I have never watched a minute of. Oh, yeah. It's just I wonder if it I wonder if Buffy holds up. I haven't watched it since it was on TV. uh, I don't know. Maybe. And then he's also done a ton of video games and voiceovers for animation, including Batman Gotham by Gaslight as Alfred. Oh, nice. I I wish that this recurring segment was always going to be about Anthony Stewart Head, because then we could call it Head Facts. But it's not going to be always about him. Uh, But I do have one last Head Fact, and that is that his brother, Murray Head, was responsible for the mid-80s musical number that was got a ton of radio airplay one night in Bangkok as he was one of the stars of the musical chess. I would probably know that song if I heard it. You'd definitely know it if you heard it. Yeah, but maybe you can put a snippet in his outro music for this episode. There you go. Well, I'll find a yeah. snippet of it. You'll have to send me that name of it again because I'll do it. Yeah. I, uh, Jim's just a little bit older than me. Mm. Like in the mid 80s, Jim was a teenager and I was still like a 
preteen. Yes. He was a young lad. I didn't turn, I didn't become a teenager until 1990. So I could defeat him by putting my palm against his forehead and holding him off. He always said that if we ever get into a fight, I know that I'll beat you because right now I'm bigger than you and stronger than you. One day you'll be bigger than me and stronger than me, but I'll still be able to beat you because you fight dumb. I don't know if that's true anymore. We haven't, oh, thankfully, had a, had a fight since no. uh, since the 80s. Right, right. I mean, well, no, we had the boxing match. Oh, that's right. When, a, a high point. I forgot yeah. about that. When I was chasing you around the ring like Mr. T going, don't turn your back on me, sucker. <laughs> All right. So you found your notes. What did I found what are you? Notes. What are your thoughts on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Sean? Okay. Well, um, uh, my notes were kind of stream of consciousness, and I was about halfway through when I wrote the following sentence. I hate everything about this movie. <laughs> And then, I, and then the next line I wrote was, except the special effects, especially the ghost crane. Oh, yeah. I loved oh, the yeah. ghost crane. And then... Loved the ghost crane. Nick, I think Nick Cage was just the only word that I can use to describe his performance is distracted. Like, he wasn't trying to have fun with it. He wasn't trying to take it seriously. He was just there. He was just reciting lines. And it, it, it's... I just think it was felt- worse than normal for him. I felt like there were moments when he went full Nick Cage, but I feel like there were other moments where he was just sort of randomly selecting line deliveries and the directors who are terrible didn't have whatever it is that directors need to either understand that the line readings he was giving were terrible or um, they didn't have the the self-confidence to tell him that because he was, of course, paid far more than they were. These these directors, uh, this is uh, Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor were the directors of this thing. They are best known otherwise for having done Crank and Crank High Voltage. Like literally, those are the only two other movies they've directed. They're bad. They do a lot of um, randomly moving the camera around, alternating between fast and slow motion to make things seem dr- yeah i can see from oh, the look on your face you know what yes. i'm talking about it was i was going to mention that like the camera work it was like it was by someone who was both epileptic and schizophrenic like there was no <laughs> rhyme or reason and then they just go to the like they were trying to do a cool thing with with blackouts powers where like everything would get black and it would just focus on him but yep. you didn't know what was going on and it's like is he concussed like it, it just it seemed like yep. that and then yep. they they like sometimes they would show somebody walking and they would have it be like a, from from the perspective of carrying a camera right behind their feet, they mm-hmm. did a lot of showing feet getting out of vehicles. Like one time is good, but yeah. you know maybe something. Else. Yeah, especially when everyone is wearing um black motorcycle boots and black jeans. Yeah. Showing us the feet of somebody getting out of the vehicle is useful when you're doing that to convey that this unique character. Oh, it's the weird guy with with cowboy boots and and spurs. You know, like that. Oh, okay, like that's cool because that that tells the audience. Oh, this is something that makes this guy unique. But it's just like, oh, this is one of the seventeen people in this movie wearing black boots and black jeans. Like, uh, come on, yeah. Oh, the movie is dated a little bit, I think, because you hear them using the word gypsy, which is not 
something that people mm. really use anymore. Yep, um, yep. It's kind of considered a slur at this point for yeah, he does, people. He does then go to, say, Roma, which yeah. is better, but still, like, he was he was asking her if she was a hooker. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, that scene was very cringy, and I, I wanted to know, like, isn't this woman, Nadia, isn't she on the run from some sort of murderous cult? Why is she having lunch at a cafe and, and uh, robbing a random American businessman? Like, what, what What are you doing? Run no. away. Right. Like, okay, you have a car. Go steal another one if you have to. Yeah. But don't. Uh, she was not smart at all. No. She was, she, she's the act, Violante Placido is her name. This is one of the few English language movies she's done. And she did adequately, you know, in the, in the spirit of early 2000s action superhero movie. She was in this movie because she's a track unnecessarily hot mom. I don't know. Maybe she's a necessarily hot mom. I, she just, <laughs> she didn't really contribute. Her character didn't contribute anything to the film. You could have done just about this entire movie without Nadia being present in it. You could have done it just with Danny and Johnny and Moreau. I think you needed Moreau, Idris Elba's character. And also, your movie is not going to suffer from having more Idris Elba in it. I didn't really love the way that Idris Elba was used. Every scene in which he appeared, in my opinion, was better for his having been in it. Absolutely. I I really liked him in this movie a lot. Yeah. I think that he he made the movie better. His character everybody was poorly written. Like, yes, you, you can only work with a script you've got. Yeah. And, yep. it, but he, he was never guilty of seeming like he was just going through the motions. Yeah. Agreed. So there were three or four things in this film that I did actually like, I think I liked this movie more than you did. In fact, I'm pretty sure I liked this movie more than you did because one of the things that I like in any movie like this incidental world building, where they just sort of like make reference to a thing, but don't like call attention to it. So the first thing that I really liked was, as you said, when when he um, got on the crane or the giant quarry digging machine or whatever the hell that was and turned it into his flaming vehicle. When this first happened in the quarry, they didn't explain it. They didn't, thank God, they didn't have someone say, oh, I guess whatever vehicle he gets into turns into a flaming hell machine. It was just now this quarry machine is a flaming hell machine. And that was really, I thought, nice. They did eventually call back to it, but they did it by, they did it in an entertaining way. Like, I really liked the scene with Danny and Johnny on the back of the truck where Danny was asking Johnny, like, okay, well, so if you get on uh, this kind of vehicle, does it turn into one of those? If you get on that, if you get on a camel... <laughs> Like, I thought there was a great, a great conversation, a great bit of character development between those two. I would have loved more than that. And that scene alone gave the movie some points for me. I actually kind of liked the reference he made to peeing flame, which they called back to. Like, it was childish. It was juvenile. But it was an adult trying to bond with a 13-year-old. And it worked. It did. It really did. And I thought there, it, it kind of initially struck me as like a worse version of John Connor bonding with the, the T-800. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I thought that too. 
but as they as it went on it got better like when they got on the motorcycle and went flying past Moreau I thought that was great yeah um, there was a lot of interaction between them and I think that it, it the movie could have been served a little bit better if it had been more of a like a road movie with Johnny Blaze and Danny as opposed yes. to the constant chase from everybody I think we already said this mm-hmm. but I really thought the burning skull effect and even the smoky skull effect I thought it looked great it did there were some really good special effects special effects things when uh when the guy empties the clip from the uzi into ghost rider's mouth Mm. and then he spits flaming bullets back out at him i was like that is great yeah that was Uh, that was nice that was nice i do have some questions about blackout's powers though like he can make (laughs) anything anything can just rot except yeah the the plastic around a twinkie doesn't i i I liked that i liked liked the idea that the Twinkie doesn't decay. Yeah. That's always the joke about Twinkies is that they'll last forever. They have a half-life and it's yeah. a long one. But uh, he, he made the glass decay on the yeah. car but I, yeah. and that doesn't affect the plastic. Does he yeah. consciously control it? I don't understand. It was a good gag, but yeah, it's inconsistent for sure. Yeah. So uh, um, that's really what I have. Oh, we did get a Wilhelm scream. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> And I will say that during the climactic fight, Blackout did get in a pro wrestling move because he DDT'd, like flying DDT'd Ghost Rider <laughs> off the back of the truck. And I was like, that was amazing. We're going to we're gonna continue to rely on you for pro wrestling references in all of these movies, Sean. Thank you always, for that. Always, absolutely. I had a couple of other observations. I never really cared about any of the characters. Not a one. I thought when Blackout killed Moreau, I thought Moreau's death was bad and dumb. When he, when he headbutted him, it, it was bad and dumb. It was a waste. You had a great character there, and I'm okay if you want to kill him, but make his death count in some way. There's a there's a scene that I like. They're at a restaurant. They're at like an Arby's or something. I think it's like a generic fast food restaurant with, that doesn't have a name because they didn't want to pay licensing to anybody. And, and while they're having lunch, while they're talking about all the shit that's going on, Johnny is drinking from a huge pitcher of water. He's drinking directly from the pitcher, and there's no mention made of it there's no reference to it going on but it's like yeah dude is probably really thirsty he periodically catches fire i bet he's dehydrated and it's just like he's just drinking the water and not saying anything about it and just drinking more water it was a very funny bit. I liked it. Yeah, I thought that was good. And I, I, my understanding is that's a callback to the first one, to the first uh, movie. Okay. So, okay. One of the um, few. There was a sequel planned to this movie. Um, it was abandoned. Nick Cage said he's done with this character, which is fine. I think they've uh, made their point with him. The Robbie Reyes version of the character, played by Gabriel Luna, is the closest thing that we've had to an MCU version. He showed up for about a season on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I had quit watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by that point, so I don't recall it. Literally, the first episode he appeared was the last episode I watched. Okay, okay. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention was one of the three writers of this movie. So um, the three writers, Scott M. Gimple, Seth Hoffman, and David S. Goyer. I, I couldn't really find anything interesting or useful about Gimple or Hoffman, but David S. Goyer actually has done a bunch of real superhero movie shit. Um, I suspect on this podcast, we will see him again. Um, he did the 1998 Nick Fury movie, which I think 
Yeah, I think that's David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. I think it did, yeah. He also wrote the Blade trilogy. He wrote or was a contributing writer to Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. He also wrote Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. So he's got creds. A lot of his best stuff came out after this. And I don't know whether this was Gimple and Hoffman. I don't know if they did early drafts and Goyer did a last draft or the other way around. There's no way to easily tell that. But I would guess just based on Goyer's other output that he probably wrote the parts that didn't stink. But but uh, who can say? Right. I didn't uh, I didn't find anything else out about the, the writers or anything like that. I did find that this is based on a comic by Garth Ennis. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's the road to damnation. Okay. I didn't know that and I was wondering if it was based on a on a particular run. Yeah, it's it's a uh I think either a four or a six issue limited series. I didn't dive too much into it, but it was it was based on it, but not like shot for shot. Like there's a lot of characters in this that had nothing to do with that particular run. I think it was like a I want to say it was a five issue limited series they did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right, Sean, I I think we may have come to the point where we need to rate this son of a bitch. Okay. Um, I'll go first. Please. I, if I had rated this after the first 45 minutes, it would have been like a 20, but it got, (laughs) it got markedly better in the second half I found. And I literally paused it to send it, to send you the text where I said, this is worse than Superman and the Mole Men. This might might be like Superman and the Vol Men. It was so, <laughs> like the first 45 minutes were just awful. And yes. then it got, it, it wasn't great by any stretch in the second half, but it was enough to bring it up to a 40 for me. A 40, okay. I respect that. I liked it more than you did. I thought that the there were individual bits that were good. I liked one character, I guess. Uh, I said earlier I didn't like any of the characters. I liked Moreau. I just wanted more of him. Uh, he wasn't well developed, but Idris Elba has just a natural. Uh, I have a man crush on Idris Elba. I'm happy to admit that. So I, I don't I don't think this gets like a strong passing grade from me, but I think it gets like a D minus F plus. So I'm going to give it a 60 out of 100, okay. which gives us an average of 50, which of course makes this out of the two movies we've seen thus far, the best movie we've done. Wow. Uh, before we get into other stuff, I have a very important yes. question for you. Yes, sir. Will it Muppet? Ah, will it Muppet? I say yes. Uh, and I think that Nadia needs to be the only human. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I I have the following cast in mind. Okay. Uh, Gonzo the Great as Johnny Blaze slash Ghost Rider. Uh, <laughs> Lou Zealand, yeah. the guy with the boomerang fish. Oh, yeah. As Blackout. Okay. Sam the Eagle as Mephesto. And the Swedish chef as Moreau. All right. I'm going to go in the other direction from you, Sean. I actually don't think this film will Muppet. I think it is so much of the 1990s Rob Liefeld pouches and guns comic book era that it is insufficiently Muppety. I, despite Nick Cage giving it the full Nick Cage, I just don't find it to be Muppetable. That's 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 fair. I don't dispute um, what you're saying, but that that's my take. Well, you know, and that's that's reasonable. Another question I have for you, and this is this is not really not really part of the the show, but are you reading any comics right now? I am. Uh, I, I've spent a little bit of time in the last couple of weeks reading basically just two comics. I I go in spurts with comics just generally. I read 
through some digital copies of some old Legion of Superheroes five years later um, okay. in the wake of uh, Keith Giffen's passing, mm -hmm. uh, which as we record this was, was a week or two ago. I fell in love with the Legion of Superheroes comics during the five years later era, had never read them before. And once that era ended and Keith Giffen walked away from the series, I was done. I didn't, I didn't actually like the Legion of Superheroes as inspirational teens, but I loved the five years later stuff. The only other thing that I've been reading is a very slow plod through the Roy Thomas era of the Avengers on Marvel Unlimited. I just read the issue where Yellow Jacket and the Wasp got married. Okay, so right after uh, Ultron and like right when he became Yellow Jacket. Yeah. Yeah, really good Which, stuff. And it, it, that was a weird bit in there. Like, how come Hank pretended not to be Hank in order to marry Janet? It was weird, kind of dumb, but whatever. Yeah. It was the... 60s or 70s yeah it it uh i read those the last time i read those was oh god probably 20 years ago but it was always very uh roy thomas i think did a much better job than stan lee with those characters agreed and Firmly he was agreed. he was the writer on that book forever he was like 10 yes. years he also did uh, a substantial run on fantastic four which was also really good i believe that yeah i read through those ages ago if you ever want to pick up something cool read Avengers Forever. Okay. Where it's a, a battle between, I want to say it's the Kree and Immortus and... Immortus and Kang have to like pull Avengers from various points in time. And the yellow jacket that they pull is the one who is the criminal yellow jacket, like before he married the wasp and it's, nice. he doesn't realize who he is. And it's, it's awesome. It's really well done. I'm reading right now a great indie comic by J. Michael Straczynski. It's called the madness. Um, there's this super powered woman who her name is Sarah. I don't know what her superhero name is, who was part of like the Legion of Superheroes ish, you know, the, the Justice Society League. Right. And, um, she decides to start using her powers to make herself some money so she can retire. And she steals like $10 billion worth of gold from, huh. you know, some Middle Eastern state. And we have enough resources tied up in that country. They say we want her killed. And so they have to go to her former team and say, oh, we, yeah. we need to kill her. So they drop a bomb on her and her family and it only kills her family. Right, right. And her power is like she got possessed by her imaginary friend as a kid and she's a complete psychopath and she just starts carving a path through this superhero team to find out who decided to kill her. And it's, it's I'm only through issue three of a six issue series and it's probably the best comic I've picked up in 10 years. That sounds um, great. Yeah. The other ones that I'm reading, I'm reading the new Daredevil uh, by Saladin Alm. Ahmed and Aaron Cooter. Daredevil died, I guess, at the end of his last series and was in hell. I don't know how he, he like freed somebody from hell. I didn't read it, but he's back from the dead and they don't explain how. And he's a priest. Oh, and it's really good. And let's see. Uh, I'm also reading uh, the most current volume of Fantastic Four, which is the book that got me back into comics after 20 years. Ryan North and Iban Coelho uh, with covers by Alex Ross. Uh, the Fantastic Four has relocated to middle America. 
Nice. Um, it's really cool. I also buy Amazing Spider-Man, which is about to start picking up and be really good. Uh, Avengers Incorporated, which is the Wasp is a, is a detective with the Vision. And uh, the new Sensational She-Hulk and Gods, which is a reimagining of Marvel's supernatural parts of the Marvel Universe. You know, the oh, gods cool. and the mysticism and stuff. Plus, I'm a sucker for picking up. Marvel does these. Marvel and DC both do facsimiles of their old comics that include like the old ads yeah, and yeah. stuff. And I'm a sucker for those, so I buy a lot of those. They just, since Marvel got the license back for ROM and Micronauts, uh, they reprinted ROM number one and Micronauts number one, neither of which I'd ever read. Did giant-sized X-Men number one. They did uh, Amazing Spider-Man 300 and they did Oh, gosh, the one I just bought, uh, X-Men 129, was the first appearance of Kitty Pride. Okay. Yeah, and those are good. And Marvel keeps those at a reasonable price. Like, you can get, like, foil holographic covers, and they're, like, $7.99, or you can get a regular book, and it's, you know, $3.99 or $4.99. DC does them, too. They reprint their really old stuff. Like, I got one of Superman number one and Batman number one. But I picked up a copy of Batman 608 for Batman Day, and it was 10 bucks. I was like, uh, sorry, DC, I'm not spending a new, ten- a new comic book was 10 bucks. No, no, no. It was a new comic, but it was a reprint. Wow. A yeah, $10 so, reprint. Yeah, I, I'm DC, I'm not buying $10 reprints anymore. I'm yep. sorry, because they're not going to be worth anything. And that's the only reason I'd buy them would be for investment. I'm just not doing that. It's possible that I have a problem, but I love those. I mean, it sounds, I don't want to be judgy, but you sound as though you might have a problem. Yeah, well, I'm not I, judging, though. I quit smoking, so I got to spend that money somewhere. You got to have a vice. This yeah. is a pretty harmless vice. Yeah, My vices so. are... Uh, Improv comedy and weightlifting. Yeah, I could do the I could do the weightlifting once the, this gastroparesis passes. Oh, that's not fun. But my doctor's like, oh yeah, just stop taking that medicine. Just you don't need to take it anymore. Oh, good. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, so that's all I needed to do was just not. Yep. This is, yep. This is how supervillains have origins. That's true. That's true. So, all right, should we should we select our next film? I think we should select our next film. Would you like I mean, to go to a random internet random number generator and give me a number between? Between one and two hundred sixteen, and if you run into a movie we've already done, I'll tell you to re-roll. I'm sorting them differently today. They're sorted alphabetically by title today. One hundred sixty-nine. One hundred sixty-nine. Please be good. <laughs> We will be watching the 2023 movie, The Flash. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I am not kidding you. I think it's on, uh, on it's HBO on Max. HBO Max, yeah. I mean, there's an outside chance that I'll enjoy parts of this movie. Michael Keaton's in it. Yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck's in it, too. Yeah, I like those guys. George, George Reeves is in it. I've heard that as I've heard Nick Cage is in it. Oh, God. As the mulleted Superman. All right. Well, we don't want to spoil it for our listeners who haven't watched it yet, but you're listening to this episode, all three of you rush right out. And before the next episode drops in two go weeks. and watch in two weeks, go and watch 2023's The Flash. Absolutely. And I'll be doing that probably like minutes before we have to record. I don't blame you.
Uh, I'll probably watch it in spurts. So that's going to do it for episode two of fan service. Uh, you can drop me an email at seankiley77 at gmail.com uh, and tell us what your thoughts are about this show. I'm going to set up a Gmail address for this show. I just haven't done it yet. I think that's a great idea. Send it to my personal email for now and we'll uh, we'll we'll move on from there. You can also send him Nigerian scams. That one Nigerian guy who's sitting there with like $40 billion, I don't understand why these Americans won't take this money. (laughs) All right. Well, Jim, as usual, it's been a pleasure. Yes, indeed. Uh, And we will see you folks in two weeks when we talk about The Flash. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, folks.